Hi, I'm Dawn Zale Abernathy, and you are listening to TV Confidential with host Ed Robertson, the brilliant Ed Robertson. Please enjoy. In a short while, it's going to be the 60th anniversary of the murder of John Kennedy by the Central Intelligence Agency. With each passing year, his dream of a more equitable and peaceful democracy in this country becomes as dead as he is. He is dead and long forgotten. Ed Robertson law who guest John Barber, John Barber, five-time Emmy Award-winning producer, writer, director, television talk show host, comedian, godfather of reality TV, and the creator, producer, principal writer, and one of the original hosts of NBC's Real People. John Barber, also the writer and director of John Barber's and William Shakespeare's Last Word, on the murder of JFK, a 90-minute docu-presentation that is essentially a one-man show in three acts, with Act 1 recounting John's 53-year effort to uphold the name of Jim Garrison, the Louisiana district attorney known for his investigations into the assassination of John F. Kennedy, including John's efforts to start a scholarship at Tulane University in memory of Jim Garrison, Act 2 revealing the one great disappointment in John's life, and Act 3, the poignant story of John's trip to Scotland in 1960, where, following a bittersweet reunion with his estranged father, John wins a residency with the Castle Theatre in London and discovers the true meaning of Hamlet's soliloquy to be or not to be. John Barber's and William Shakespeare's last word on the murder of JFK will have its world premiere at the Lomley Town Center Theater in Encino, California, Wednesday, November 22nd. It will be playing at the Lomley Town Center 5 for one week. Tickets and more information, 818-981-9847, or go to johnbarbersworld.com. You quote Shakespeare yes. throughout the, docu- uh, the docu-presentation, John, but th- I kept thinking of another tragedy, a Greek tragedy, particularly in relation to your efforts to help Garrison, which is, I don't, you don't say this in so many words in the film, that's essentially your life's work, your great effort to, to help uphold the good name of Jim Garrison. I keep thinking of Sisyphus and the boulder. I mean, every, oh every, every, time you, every time it looks like you're gonna achieve your goal and bring to light what Garrison did, something happens and the boulder keeps falling back. Oh my God, how interesting that you say that. You know, and Jim Garrison at first, you know, he believed the Warren Commission. He was an FBI officer, he was in the Air Force. He was one of the first people at Dachau when they liberated that death camp in 1945. Mm -hmm. That's the only photograph that's in his office. He's sitting by the barbed wire fence and lest we ever forget. And it was only an accidental meeting. And this brings up this. Uh, My mentor, when I started as a comic, was Red Fox. Mm -hmm. And I was the first one to put Red Fox on an entertainment show when I got my very first talk show. Uh, I was signed, you know, and this is part of the divinity, being blessed. I'm, I'm out of work as a comic, and I... One of the reasons I married my wife, as I said, as long as you don't want a child, and she agreed you wouldn't want a child. Every millionaire in San Francisco 
was in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. She, she was the band singer for her old father Hines, and her two two best friends were Red Fox and Dick Gregory, and that's why she introduced me to Dick, who became my my life, lifelong uh, mentor. Anyway, when I started to talk to uh, Red about Jim Garrison, he said something so witty, because I called Jim Garrison a hero, one of my few heroes. He said, John, heroes ain't born, they're cornered. (laughs) And when I said that to Mr. Garrison, he howled and he said, it's true, John, because I believe my government until an accidental meeting with Congressman Hale Boggs. Hale Boggs was the only dissenting member of the Warren Commission. He meets Jim on a plane, and they start talking, of course, about the assassination. And Hale Boggs said, hey, Jim, I'm a hunter myself. I know that kid with that crooked rifle and that crooked uh, scope, and he couldn't shoot a dead rabbit. And he said, there's something fishy. Jim Garrison heard that and went up, bought three sets of the Warren Report. That's 26 volumes three times, one in the car, one in his office, and one at home, and he memorized them. Okay, now to further protect Clay Shaw, when Clay Shaw was arrested, they found the most degrading homosexual god-awful sadomasochistic material there all in the second film jim garrison said to his staff this has nothing to do with the murder of john kennedy this is not to be mentioned with the press this is not character assassination this is a trial for murder and he's up for murder now in those days you must remember with mccarthyism and everything you know every commie under the bed America couldn't understand CIA. It was all James Bond stuff. But Jim was so smart, he got his tax records for 10 years, all showed CIA. So a lot of people got close to voting for the conspiracy charge, but they voted against it. That is what the government and the media reported, but his main case was the perjury case. Because Clay Shaw claimed he did not know Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby or David Ferry. And yet Perry Raymond Russo, who was at a meeting where they talked about Crossfire in Dallas, got so frightened at the arrest of Clay Shaw, he called Garrison and said, I will be your chief witness to prove that. Okay, so in any event, with the uh, perjury case, He won it in eight minutes, and now he knew he had Garrison nailed, because aside from that, he had had 87 witnesses who were eyewitnesses to meetings between Clay Shaw and Lee Harvey Oswald, 87, but he had more than that. He had three 20-year-old homosexual hookers who were paid $20 by Clay Shaw to have sex with all of these guys, including Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald was bisexual, by the way. And then he had a professor from Illinois, whose name I won't mention because he may still be alive, Mm -hmm. who lived for a year as Clay Shaw's homosexual lover. And Clay Shaw kicked him out after a year. And guess why he kicked him out? 
the guy had a transgender operation, but his job didn't want to be seen with a woman. So, and then the other thing that he had, they had an affidavit from an assassin who was offered $25,000 to murder Jim Garrison, 15 in advance and 10 afterwards. Because, and the only reason the guy considered it, his daughter was deathly ill and the CIA promised him the best doctors in the world not just in the United States, but he thought the murder of Kennedy was more important to America than the health of his daughter and went to see Mr. Garrison. So Jim knew if that guy who was this leading socialite, you know, leading figure in, in New Orleans, my God, beloved by everybody, a guy who designed homes and gave these great parties, even though there were mixed parties and everything, he know, knew once that guy got on the stand and his witnesses, they started calling up these male hookers and this professor, it'd be like a bad Perry Mason show. Yeah. At the end, the guy jumps up and said, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, okay? And the government knew it too. As a matter of fact, the first memo accidentally released by the CIA when they were first ordered to be released is the opening memo in the second movie, and it's from the CIA directors to the legal department, and it says, you must get legal assistance for Clay Shaw, otherwise Mr. Garrison is going to win a conviction for conspiracy. And they infiltrated his office with eight people that tried to destroy him. The second film is The American Media and the Second, second Assassination of John F. Kennedy, which is available right now, viewing on demand. Amazon.com for just $2 to watch. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more. And I want to tell you about The Full Circle, a collaboration led by Astrid Kastenberg and Katia Gervais that takes place twice a month at the Women's Club of South Pasadena, 1424 Fremont Avenue in South Pasadena, California. The Full Circle is based on the premise that all of us are our own best self-healers, and that movement is medicine. For more information, go to cotalife.com, C-O-T-A-L-I-F-E, cotalife.com, or go to at cotalifegoddess on Instagram or at Katia Gervais on Instagram. Hi, this is Paul Dooley. You're listening to TV Confidential. Good luck. John's latest film, John Barber's and William Shakespeare's Last World of Murder of JFK will have its world premiere in Encino, California, Wednesday, November 22nd. Yes, and as you pointed out, it's like in three acts, and the middle act, I have, in spite of the horrible parents I've had, and people said, oh my God, how could you have survived such a terrible childhood. I'm born in the Salvation Army hospital to two parents who don't want me. Uh, came from a dysfunctional family before it was popular. And my father hated fighting with my mother so much, he'd figure in 1939 he'd go off and fight the Germans. Lost half his stomach, got the order of the British Empire, and then went to Scotland and became very, very successful. And I became, I was out on the streets when I was six, and I lived by going to the theater to watch movies, and I fell in love with Frank Capra films. And when I interviewed Mr. Garrison, I asked him at one point, I said, hey, you're so independent. You're, you don't belong to any political party. 
So how is it that you thought you could take on the federal government? And the first thing he said to me, John, I think I saw one too many Frank Capra movies. That's me, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Everybody thinks that Gary Cooper won the day in that movie, but he didn't. He lost, he filibustered for an hour in the damn movie, and everybody thought he won, but he didn't, he lost. If Claude Rains just yelled up like it's a bad Barry Mason show, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, and that's, that's the end of it. We have been lied to since November 22nd, 1963, by everyone in any position to suppress the truth about the murder of John Kennedy by our government and protected by our media. And as you can see in the second film, CBS was the only network that knew that John Kennedy would not come out of Dallas alive. And as, as Jim Garrison pointed out, and he said the reason they had, but they had to promote the fiction before the reality could set in. And then the fiction set in so quickly, nobody would believe the reality after that. I'll show you one, one thing about how smart Mr. Garrison was. And I have the 67 boxes of his files, by the way, that were turned over to the CIA. And I started to put out these garrison files, but I got so sidetracked I had to earn a living. On my wife and my wonderful son. He was so smart on the day of the assassination, he gathered all the information that he could from every source. And that was radio, that was television, that was eyewitnesses. And he put it all into one file. And here is one thing that he has found that uh, first of all, he found out quite easily who ordered Jack Ruby to shoot Lee Harvey Oswald. Nobody ever asked that question. Somebody, what is it? Did they just, Jack Ruby would give you the idea that it just popped into right. his mind. But I asked him, I said, if you were Attorney General of the United States now, who would you arrest? And the first name he said was Lawrence B. Myers. Who in the God is Lord? Who's Lawrence B. Mild? He got all the phone records of all the principals. And it read, led to an apartment in Chicago, a woman who was a mistress of Myers, Lawrence B. Myers. And then if you go to the Warren Report, they didn't delete this. There is Lawrence B. Myers two days before he shoots Lee R.V. Oswald, sitting with Ruby at the Cabana Hotel. And Garrison said that's where he got the orders to shoot Lee Harvey Oswald. So he's, he'd be the first guy I'd call. But then listen to this. All of us who've seen Lee Harvey Oswald on camera, you see some guy hold up a microphone, and the guy says, did you kill the president? You've seen that? video? No. Well, it's in all of the films except the third one. It's a newsman. It's a crowded room. He just come out of uh, Captain Fitz's office where he was supposed to be interviewed. But Captain Fitz said, we don't have a tape recorder and we don't have a stenographers for the murder of the president of the United States. You're not going to record what Lee Harvey Oswald is saying. And Lee has just come out of there. 
and the newsman puts up a mic like you have a mic to your mouth mm-hmm. and says, did you kill the president? And Lee Harvey Oswald very quietly said, no, this is the first thing I heard about that. And I hope some attorney is watching because I need some legal help. Now, he was really calm, but he supposedly just came out of eight hours of being interrogated about the murder of John Kennedy and Tippett, the cop. But Garrison found an honest cop who was inside that office. And the cop tells Mr. Garrison, there was no tape recorder, there was no stenographer, and nobody got to ask Lee Harvey Oswald that question. Because whenever one of the honest cops like myself asked it, we were told to shut up by somebody in a blue suit. I mean, how amazing is that? That's how, that's how efficient Garrison was. He got the paraffin test that proved that Lee Harvey Oswald didn't even fire the shot because of the paraffin test. If he had gone to trial, that trial wouldn't have lasted eight minutes. The government had absolutely no case. And I, don't, I guess when he did arrest Clay Shaw, he wanted to protect his civil rights. He gathered up three of the leading judges in Louisiana. He had already gone to a grand jury. Bang, it didn't take five minutes. Prosecute. And then, no, I need more protection for my client. He didn't need no more protection for his case. That's the kind of law. And that's why I say in my film, John Kennedy is long dead and he is long forgotten. But the man more important than Kennedy or Jefferson, his hero, is Jim Garrison because he's the only DA in history who stood up to try to prove that the First Amendment is more important than any president of the United States, which is a quote from both Thomas Jefferson and John Kennedy. He's the only one to prove that anybody is above the law. But you look around now, and my God, the people who make the laws are the ones who continually break the laws. It's the biggest crock in the world a crock that would overflow the Grand Canyon. He gathered three judges in uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, Diamond, who was Clay Shaw's attorney, who was also in the second film, presents the 26 volumes of the Warren Report to these judges as evidence that Clay Shaw did not participate in the murder of John Kennedy, even though Clay Shaw's name is not in the Warren Report. And the three judges didn't take an hour and a half to throw the Warren Report and 26 volumes out because this is not an investigation, Mr. Diamond. This is all hearsay. And therefore, as hearsay, it's not permissible in this court of law. Now, had that been reported by the New York Times or the Washington Post or Time or Newsweek at the time they were trying to murder Jim Garrison, literally, there would be a dozen people hanging from lampposts in New York and Washington, D.C., and some of them still today. As a matter of fact, there's a line in the second film in which George Bush Sr. says during a Iran-Contra, if the people really knew what we were up to, 
they would chase us down the street and hang us. This is an opinion on my part. This is senior actually saying something and telling the truth. In, and, that, and that's in the second film, uh, The American Media and the Second Assassination yeah. of John F. Yeah. Kennedy, which is available viewing on demand, Amazon.com for $1.99. John's latest uh, docu-presentation, John Barber's and William Shakespeare's last word on the murder of JFK will have its world premiere at the Lomley Town Center 5 Theater in uh, Encino, California, Wednesday, November 22nd. Tickets for more information, 818-981-9847 or go to johnbarbersworld.com. John's going to stay with us for one more segment. We'll talk about the new book he recently released. That is a collection of all of his movie reviews for Los Angeles Magazine. Plus, we'll talk about some of his other TV credits, including his appearance on the most watched episode ever of Breaking Bad. All that more, we continue our conversation with John Barber. Here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.